Hello and welcome to another episode of the Data Topics podcast. Today, the third episode in a series on AI ethics. Uh, first uh, episode, we talked about AI ethics in general, try to understand what was meant with AI ethics and, and what were the different composing parts. Uh, in the second episode, we went deeper into the more responsibility, regulatory uh, aspects of, of things. So who's responsible? Uh, but of course, if you want to be able to take responsibility, you need to be able to uh, yeah, understand what you're taking responsibility of. So today we're diving deeper in the topic of so-called explainable AI. And with me in the room, I have Tim. Hi, Tim. Hi, everyone. I'm Tim Leers, a machine learning engineer at DataRoots for almost three years. I work on developing AI solutions for our clients in industry, and I'm very passionate about research. Uh, I've been working on various R&D dossiers at DataRoots, and one of the fields I'm especially interested in is the one we're here to discuss today, especially given my background as a research psychologist. So very excited to learn more from you today. Awesome. Welcome. Hi, Adi. Welcome to you too. Hello. Hello, everyone. Uh, yeah, my name is Ali, and uh, currently I'm working as a senior researcher within IDLAMP, uh, where I am uh, leading a team on autonomous shipping. And since I'm working very close to industry, uh, of course, I also uh, am very interested in the explainability aspect of AI, because um, as long as uh, uh, we are going to use it in the industry, of course, we will also have to make it more transparent. Yeah, yeah. transparency is a big thing. Um, hello, Jose. Hi there, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, I am Jose Ramas. I am a professor at the Internet and Data Lab, which is part of IMEC and the University of Antwerp. There I do research mostly at the intersection of machine learning and computer vision, with a special focus on model interpretation and explanation, which fits nicely with the topic of today. Yeah, welcome, welcome. Uh, glad to have you all on board. Um, well, let's maybe uh, start with trying to explain what explainable AI is, right? Um, so anybody there to give it a, a go? Well, I would like to maybe take as a starting point uh, the term that Ali mentioned already about bringing transparency, transparency to existing systems, existing systems, because the goal of explainable AI is actually to figure out how a given um, intelligent solution, an AI algorithm, actually works, how it makes decisions. So, and nowadays there is quite a lot of interest in this, in this uh, problem, and it has been approached by different disciplines. Yeah, but I will actually, from the objective point of view, argue that the main goal of explainable AI is actually to either justify or explain why the model or an AI system makes a given prediction, on the one hand, and on the other hand, figuring out what a model has internally learned, what it encodes in, in, inside. Anybody wants to add to that? Uh, yes, I would also like to add uh, a few things on that. So as, as Jose mentioned, of course, um, if you look at the literature and if you look, look at uh, the community, how it's working on it, of course, the first point is to understand the mechanics of the system, basically how a certain uh, decision is being made you know, based on a certain input. Uh, and then the second step comes, which uh, connects back to uh, people who are using it. And then you can, of course, define uh, different types of people. You can have people who are making policies on top of these decisions. You can have people who are using 
uh, and performing certain activity um, based on these decisions. Uh, you can also have businesses or developers who are uh, developing and deploying these models in, in a real-life uh, context. So how I perceive uh, explainability is, I, I perceive interpretability as the first step. That's where I think we, we, we are looking at the transparency of the systems. And explainability, to me, then includes explanations towards a human. Uh, and that human could be, of course, one of many different uh, uh, classes of uh, people interacting with that model. Yeah, so I, I hear indeed different things with regards to, well, we, I think transparency was mentioned a few times as a, as a, as a key point. So uh, I guess since it's, uh, if we're, especially if we're talking about kind of the more deep learning models, they are what I so-called black boxes. Uh, so, so I often, often refer to uh, like that. So it's, it's opening those black boxes and trying to make them more transparent. So we understand how the model came to a certain conclusion. Um, uh, and, and then, yeah, be able to also adapt if we, if we disagree with the, the way, the way that happens. Right. Um, the, maybe for the, for the listeners to, if we take a, 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 a very safe example uh, with, uh, a, a, a model that, uh, uh, was just trying to, uh, recognize dog breeds that you then see that, uh, accurately uh, identifies, uh, the, the different, uh, dog breeds, especially also the Huskies. But then if you look deeper into the model and you actually try to understand based on what it takes its decision, it's, it's actually the background, which often contains snow and not the dog at all. And so that's, that's trying to understand what the model is using to, uh, to infer its decision. Um, and, and in this case, it's very harmless, uh, but in, in, in different cases, it might also be contextual data you don't want to, uh, to have considered, right? just uh trying to explain it in a in a, in a simple way um yeah ali you wanna you wanna add anything to that uh yes also i think it's very important to also understand that if you look at machine learning um as a as a field uh there are different types of models within machine learning so certain models are interpretable and certain other models are not interpretable and and it's very hard to really understand how and why why those models are working i think they're uh, this becomes a core problem. Um, for simpler problems, of course, like you can use simple machine learning uh, approaches, which are interpretable by nature, and that is easier to deploy. But when the problems become more complicated, we are diving into the regime of these uh, neural networks and different types of neural networks. And of course, uh, there the problem of uh, interpretability becomes uh, a major issue. Uh, maybe I would like to take... Uh, the viewpoint of, of Jose on this as to how he thinks about it, about these um, models which are interpretable by nature and is explainability still a problem uh, for those models because uh, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't really require, I think, a lot of uh, effort from, from some researchers to really understand how a certain model is, is really working if it's simple enough and, and already um, interpretable by design. Is the research also looking into that or, or just neural networks at the moment? So, well, if just maybe to make sure I understand the question correctly. So if what by interpretable by design uh, methods you mean, you, you are referring to more classical methods, like, for example, decision trees, right? Yeah. So if, if, that, if that's the case, 
For example, this is something that pop up in one of my courses where I teach about artificial neural networks. And in the first lectures, what we learned there is about uh, perception, which is the most basic element, the most granular element that you have in a neural network. And towards the end, we touched this topic about interpretability and explainability. And once it came to me the question by one of my students that if we know how every single element of the network operates, we know the mathematical equation of how the input gets gets processed to get an output, then how come we call these models, these networks, black boxes, if we do actually know how they operate, what, what is the math behind? And the truth is, to some extent, is that this is a, a very closely related to the complexity, like Ali said. These are very dense, very deep, with millions of parameters, so that it becomes very difficult for us as humans to be able to trace down what each of these parameters, each of these connections is actually encoding. And you can actually make the same argument when you go to these more classical methods like decision trees. Now, if you have a simple, a shallow tree, it's easier for you to go node by node and figuring out what is the threshold that is applied in, in your feature input, in your input. Yeah. However, if your tree challenge becomes very dense and very deep, you go back to the same problem. So I think in this, in this, uh, uh, regime, explainability is also a problem because even though it's interpretable by design, because we understand how it works, it can become uh, difficult to understand due to the complexity of the model. So um, it's not, we cannot take it for granted that because it's a classical method, it's inherently interpretable. So there is a boundary when interpretability starts to become a, a, a problem indeed. So that, that's my point of view there. Um, and should I then also always look at, at this explainability is it is it something you embed in the model or is it a model you apply on your base model to try and explain what the model is 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 like so in in the way eh, how this is tackled is it is it more the one or or the other well actually uh, with what you just said you're hinting more or less at what is the current trend on research on interpretability and uh in, in the past, when neural networks around 2012, 2013, when they become very popular due to the AlexNet, uh, they were just this existing model that was pre-training huge data sets, worked very well, but they were so complex that it was hard to understand, to interpret. And therefore, one of the first methods for this specific type of model that was proposed operated in a post hoc manner, where you first had this existing model and then you figure out a mechanism a method to try to interpret it, to explain it. Yeah. However, since 2019, I would say maybe a bit earlier, there's this new trend of, of uh, network architectures, if we are talking about deep learning, that are um, designed in such a way that when they learn that representation, that representation is already interpretable. So you know what a specific, uh, let's say, uh, layers uh, or nodes in this network uh, are actually encoding. So you are already uh, enforcing some type of behavior so that information gets nicely uh, disentangled. Uh, of course, this is a work still in progress. In, in, in recent years, there are more and more uh, of these type of methods that are produced. And how important or uh, is this? It might really depend on the level of understanding that you need. Because in some of them, some of these architectures, they're just focused on inter or making specific parts interpretable. But that also means that some other parts are, are, are still obscure. So depending on the level of, of, of detail, uh, of understanding that you want, uh, some of the current solutions might be sufficient, but maybe not if you really want to know 
everything that what happens between uh, input and, and the output that is produced uh, by the model. So I hear you also explain a, a bit on, on how this, this field is evolving um, and, 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 and yeah, the, the, the current evolution still. Uh, how mature is it? I think uh, there's a lot of emphasis that has been in the beginning on, on making models uh, show that it works, that it gives the output that you were expecting without looking too much into how it got to a certain conclusion. Um, I, I think today there's, there's, there's kind of a, a shift, uh, the increased attention also to how a certain, uh, yeah, uh, recommendation decision outcome, uh, has been, has been obtained, but how, how mature is this field today? Uh, are we still saying, you know, it's, uh, is it still a toddler or already, uh, in, in, in puberty? Well, I, I, it really depends on, on, on the specific setting and a specific application. I, I'm sure that, for example, Ali may have, may have a specific scenarios where this technology might work better than in other, and in others, because a lot of research has been devoted so far for the explanation, the justification task in a post hoc manner. In, in that regard, there is a lot of work, a lot of methods that have been produced for different, uh, data modalities, visual data, sound, text. There's also not just methods to explain, but also methods to evaluate whether this explanation is valid or not. And on top of that, even methods to validate whether those assessment or evaluation methods are correct. Yeah. And why this is important, maybe going back to what you just said, uh, at some point indeed, the, pro the, the, the protocol that we were following was just to visualize to see the visual uh, the explanation and verify whether it makes sense or not. However, at some point, the research actually reached to the point to the realization that actually the information that humans and these deep models exploit to make decisions is not necessarily the same. So having a user, a, a human, to evaluate whether the explanation is correct or not, it might not be 100% correct because the machine might be using other information that for us humans is completely, yeah, it, it never crossed our minds to, uh, to, to take into account. So I think in, in, it, it really depends. In, in some cases, I would say it's quite developed. It can be trusted, but in some others, this is still on very early uh, steps. Ali, you want to add anything to that, I, I think? Uh, yes, yes. Um, I think uh, what what uh, Jose was talking about was very interesting, and, and specifically the part of the post hoc uh, explainability where you have, let's say, already designed a model. And I can give you an example that, uh, let's say, if you have a model that is developing uh, or just detecting, let's say, cars uh, on a road, um, then, of course, this model is already trained. And then, of course, some company has trained it. Then, there are certain libraries available right now that can help you in um, performing some post hoc explanations on top of it. So PyTorch has a, a library called Captum, uh, which you can use for uh, this kind of explanations. Uh, TensorFlow has its own um, uh, small library called TF Explain that can be used to do these, to, these kinds of things as well. So as Jose mentioned, of course, for certain applications, when you have, let's say, a model pre-developed, then uh, you have access to these uh, libraries as well, uh, which the companies can use right now to, to, to do some explanations. But of course, they are limited in a sense that, uh, as per my knowledge, uh, most of these knowledge, uh, most, most of these uh, libraries are working on models which are computer vision related models. But of course, AI or machine learning models can be beyond 
computer vision or they can be some natural language processing models, time series forecasting models, and so on. So at the moment, um, I would say that in certain in certain applications, of course, things are, are more mature than the others. For me, um, I would say the case for uh, explainability is also connected to uh, the whole idea of uh, safety and, and understanding uh, of the of the models as as well, because looking at examples, let's say from medical uh, sciences or uh, from autonomous systems, so and so on or industry 4.0 where AI models are actually taking decisions um, in, in scenarios which are safety critical where humans and, and AI are working together. In those cases, uh, the issue becomes exactly how uh, can uh, these models or, or when these models lead to certain safety related issues. And if those issues happen, how can an AI model also communicate with a human uh, or this ex- via this explainability to, to really uh, make a certain decision so that we can take a U-turn or, or, or solve the problem via human intervention? So to, to give you an example that there was a Tesla crash some time ago uh, where uh, the car uh, was, I think, detecting a truck uh, in, in, in the wrong way or something like that. Uh, but the idea there was also that um, the driver's attention was not actually on the car and the driver was using um, his phone. Um, and if at that moment there was an explainability layer, some sort of a layer which which gives certain signals uh, to, the, um, to the driver as well, uh, and, and the driver can take a certain action at a certain time, it could have been avoided. But for me, I mean, I would say I will not dive too deeper into it because I'm working in autonomous uh, systems. To me, explainability is very relevant when it comes to this liability aspect and also the safety aspect uh, of the models as well. Um, But to answer your question, of course, there are certain uh, libraries currently available that can be used by industrial, uh, by the companies uh, for explainability. Yeah, so in some areas, it's it's more mature than others, and and there are already accelerators out there, but... uh... Uh, again, I guess in some areas more than than in others, and a, a, a focus on on the more the um, computer vision uh, area uh, compared to also uh, different different domains. Um, what does it do? Because I, I I talked to one of the data scientists also here, and 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 some of the concerns that data scientists uh, have is is the impact and the trade off between. Um, uh, will this will this not uh, impact performance of my model? Will it not uh, have have uh, uh, secondary effects that I that I I don't want as a data scientist? Um, how how should we consider kind of this this trade off uh, between uh, yeah building the model and and, and spending time on on trying making it uh, uh, explainable? Uh, is there a trade off to be made with with performance? Yeah, so maybe I would like to contribute to that one. So, yeah, indeed, at, at the beginning, there was this uh, this uh, idea, especially when we were operating in the post hoc, uh, with post hoc methods. Uh, they say, yeah, I use a post hoc method because I know my initial model works very well. It has the performance that I require. But if suddenly I try to make my initial model interpretable by design, that may come at the cost of performance. However, there, is, there has been already quite some evidence that you can still reach state-of-the-art performance without sacrificing um, 
uh, interpretability. And for examples of this, I would like to refer our listeners to maybe the work from Cynthia Rudin, which I think is one of the most senior researchers looking into explainability. Actually, before it became popular, she's already, I think, working for more than 10 or 15 years on this topic. So she has a lot of experience and success stories where using simpler interpretable models, uh, she has been able to reach a state-of-the-art performance uh, in, in specific problems. So I wouldn't say that, that there's a, a, a trade-off uh, or a sacrifice to be made there. However, of course, uh, as with any software project, uh, proper, proper time for design should be invested to be able to get uh, to, to the right uh, place where we want to. Yeah, I was, I was more interested on the point of... Um this this whole uh, trade-off between accuracy versus, uh, let's say, reliability. Because um, if you look at the post-hoc models, of course, if you're explaining them, then you may discover certain problems in your model that can be corrected. And I would say that in certain cases, safety would be a higher priority than accuracy because uh, you have systems which are in line and which are very uh, expensive as well. And if something wrong happens, of course, the the cost of that is too high, simply. Uh, so, so certain companies or certain applications would not really go for it, and, and they would really prioritize safety over the accuracy. So I would say that it also depends on applications, and of course, in, in, in different types of um, uh, scenarios, uh, things would be different. And I can give an example from my side uh, for an application where you are, uh, let's say, uh, maneuvering a vessel, which is a million euro or, or 500k euro a vessel uh, on top of some sort of an AI system, it's more important that you keep track of safety rather than uh, speed or, or accuracy because uh, that's more important. But again, maybe I have a deeper question for everyone in this audience. Is higher accuracy translating to, to uh, better safety if we explain uh, certain models. Maybe it's a question for Jose as well, because he's already doing a lot of uh, research in this area. And I can maybe make it more concrete that assuming you have uh, a simple object detection model and then you're getting a certain accuracy out of it, does higher accuracy, uh, you can say, translate to more, how do you say, um, um, more reliability in your results? Because in explainability, how do you actually see this? Do you see a trend with, that with higher accuracy, you are having better performance and then more safer performance or let's say more reliable performance of the models? Or does it really drop uh, with accuracy as well? So is accuracy a good metric? My question is that um, based on how XCI studies it. Well, in, in that regard, I would say, assuming that high accuracy means high safety might be a mistake because you can measure accuracy on a control set, right? It's, it's hard to really uh, generalize from this, from this number, this uh, performance metric that you have estimated at, at a given time. And that's where also there is nowadays in the last year, I would say uh, more general trend in machine learning towards uh, lifelong learning and learning beyond just uh, static data sets because data in general uh, keeps evolving. Cars don't look, uh, let's say 10 years ago, they look a bit different than they look right now. The same goes for roads, for bicycles, also the way pedestrians uh, dress. So maybe accuracy for a platform that we developed a few years ago might not be as good the one we deployed in, in five or 10 years, for example. So, and, 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 and for that reason, 
as you said, right, in some cases, if we have, a, 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 a let, let's assume we have today a pedestrian detector that is 100% accurate, and in two years is, for some reason, 99%. That means that uh, one in 100 pedestrians will be hit by, by our, our, our platform, and that's not a cost we should be, uh, yeah, we should pay, right? That's too high, simply. So, indeed, that's a very good point, uh, Ali. And that's my, my opinion on that one. Yeah, Tim, you wanted to add to that? Yeah, so is there a limit to this type of empirical validation, I guess how you could call it? So to empirically validating the accuracy, do we need something akin to um, to mathematical proofs for specific scenarios? So similar to statistics where families of models have a guaranteed level of performance or uh, reliability if certain conditions are met, assumptions are met about the, the, the population that we're studying or the, the test set that we're studying? Uh, well, that's a very good point, Tim. Uh, what, what you what you raised there, and I think more or less the, the the answer was already embedded in your question. Because as you said, right, there there, there are some methods, some statistical uh, approaches that can give you uh, some guarantees given some conditions. And I think that's the key aspect that when we deploy a given AI platform, the user or the one who's deploying this platform is aware of what are the assumptions behind the good performance that this uh, AI algorithm can reach. Uh, and, and a good example for that nowadays that we are talking in the autonomous driving setting is this idea of the, of the well, I'm not so familiar with the terminology, but actually the level of autonomy that the vehicles have. Right? It's very clear that the, we are not there yet. We are not in the full, fully autonomous uh, level yet. But some users do treat it, do use it like that. And sometimes we end up with accidents. So indeed, uh, we have this type of, of, uh, of uh, guarantees of methods to, 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 to get some boundaries on, on, on the performance of our, of our models. However, that's indeed having it very clear what are the conditions, the assumptions under which that performance can be achieved. Um, I, I will. I will not go more and deeper in, in, in the, along that direction because it's not really my area of expertise. But what is key is indeed to be aware of the limitations of, of the technology. Um, if we if we take the assumption that uh, well, that our AI models are trained on historical data, so in some sense, uh, a, a bit of a mirror of uh, well our thinking and, and our collective thinking, I would say, and also our historical collective thinking. Um, knowing what the model considers is one thing, uh, but then, of course, changing it is uh, is something completely, or trying to adapt it is, is something completely different. Um, is, it, is it not too daunting of a task to try and eliminate kind of all the different uh, parameters uh, in, in in that in that sphere because I mean you can you can explain the model, but if you then want to adapt, can you can you explain enough so that you can really truly eliminate all all the different biases that you that you will find in there? Is it useful to go to go to more uh, ethical AIs? That's that's kind of the, the 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 base question I have, right? So if the in in the context of we're trying to make AI more ethical, understanding it. Is, is definitely one thing, but that's, that's not enough. I mean, if you want to make it ethical, you need to act on it and you need to try and, 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 and force it in a certain direction. Is that feasible today or are we still at the, the more interpretability step trying to understand the models, but uh, course correcting is, is, is still something else? 
Yeah. So, well, I, I, I do think, well, I'm not so sure if ethical would be the word I would use, but I think, let's say, as, as, a, as a company who, who provides, who sells a product or a service based on AI, I would expect that you should guarantee that the expectations of your client, of your customers are met, and other factors that are very important, like safety, are always taking priority, right? And as such, you, and for that purpose, you should do everything that is required to be able to, to meet to meet that to meet those goals. Um, and 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 I think that goes more from the point of view of really, yeah, your product and and, and having something that is good for, for your customers and safe to use. From the point of view of more research, from fundamental research, uh, I think all of this should be open uh, directions, like not just focus on the, on the ethical aspects or, 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 or um, methodologies and practices that could be used to get these ethical, desirable ethical properties like trustworthiness, safety, and so on, transparency, and so on. But it should always remain open to be, because by keeping all these possible, possible directions open is that we indeed identify other problems that eventually we start to do research on. Uh, as I said, I uh, mentioned already before, when we were in 2012, everyone was happy because of how well Alex network, how, how superior it was to everything we had before. And everyone in the research community started to jump into it. So they were starting to use that vision model for speech, even though it was not the best. They were using it for speech. They were using it for, for text and, and whatever they could use it for. Yeah. But later they started to realize we need to understand why it is working, why it works well or not, so that we can improve it. Uh, yeah, and, and, and that's where this the research of, or this discipline of explainable AI research uh, again, because there was the, the, the need to better understand these deep models. Uh, so yeah, so I think from the, the commercial point of view, there should be a, a, strength, a strong focus on ensuring ethical and, and, and all these desirable properties. From the research point of view, it should remain open to be able to ensure we have a good picture of, 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 the, of the field. Maybe can, if, I, if I ask the question slightly differently, because uh, if, if I take the example just of just a simple credit scoring uh, model, let's say, and you want to avoid that it, that it takes into account certain properties, there are some some properties that can be that you can you can try to kind of eliminate, but that are hidden after other uh, behind other parameters that are somewhere else in your data set and 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 so forth and so forth, right? So th that's a bit my 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 question. If if you say you know we wanna we wanna not consider like we want these parameters not to be considered, we wanna uh, that that we consider it unethical. That should not be. Uh, part of the decision parameters. Can you really get them out? And is is explainability in in that sense? enough like can we can we do that with explainability yeah i was i was more thinking about this whole point of ethical ai i think ethics is a problem connected to human condition and that's how it's just finding its way into ai and ethics of course have different types of facets now you can have business ethics you can have i don't know yeah equality in a society lack of discrimination on the ground sexuality color or whatever these kinds of things um if you look at Machine learning models inherently, of course, they will learn what you give them to, to, to learn. No? So it all depends on data and then what type of uh, information you are training them for. And I can give you a hypothetical example. Assume there is an advertisement generator system um, and it's generating advertisement for Disneyland. Now, in the past, it has seen that 
You have people coming from white uh, diaspora, generally uh, visiting uh, Disneyland at a certain location. It learns that and it starts targeting people belonging to that diaspora because it just saw them in the past a lot of times. It's also possible that people from other diaspora also went there, but then you didn't have enough examples in your in your data set, of course, and the and the network couldn't really uh, learn from it, or the agent couldn't really learn from it. So in that case, of course, is a problem with your data, and and again, it connects back to the reality of, of human society as well, because in certain cases that bias exists in the society. That's why it's there in the data, and that's why it's there in the model. So my question here is. What do we expect from explainability in this case? Do we really want it to solve our human problems <laughs> that we that we have in our society, or do we do we just want it to be more neutral by re-engineering how we collect the data and, of course, uh, the model itself, so that we can also give more weight to these underrepresented examples in our data sets in order to make our decisions more um, egalitarian? I will say uh, the word in English. So it's an open question for everyone, exactly, because ethics to me is not an AI problem. It's a human problem. It comes into the AI because humans are dealing with AI and, and they are uh, interacting with it. So maybe a general question here as to how we see uh, this point within this discussion. Maybe from my point of view, uh, going back to the start of the conversation, is that what we should expect from explainability it's just the capability of getting transparency into these complex models. Uh, in the example you provided, it will highlight, for example, that the model is making a specific suggestions because of this feature, and maybe the origin of the of the of the visitors or the people who did uh, take the, the suggestion, the recommendation from the platform, uh, and and it will be for us humans that, or the designers of the of the of the platform to indeed realize, okay, this feature. It's not a desirable feature. Per se, the AI is behaving as it was designed for. It's finding a pattern and it's exploiting it. As you said, from the ethical point of view, the human side, that pattern, race, uh, gender, whatever it is, might not be a desirable pattern to be exploited. And therefore, the, the designer will have to somehow remove it either from the data or modify the model to ignore it. Yeah, but And, and that's how I see where the responsibility of the explainability explanation algorithm ends and that one from the human or the designer starts um that, that, that's my perspective on the problem uh, i don't know what the others think so then it becomes a very multidisciplinary topic where you have indeed your your uh, ai designers who are are designing it you then kind of mirror what what the model uses as deciding factors and then reflect on I, as a as a group uh, whether whether those are uh, appropriate. What would be better courses of action, and that then goes back as feedback to uh, to the designer, right? Is that kind of how I should see things? Yes, I think it will also depend on the organization and its own uh, ethics. I will say as well because different companies are different have different uh, values. Huh? And for certain companies, it probably is not a problem, but for certain other companies, it is an issue. Mm -hmm. So explainability really helps there in, in identifying biases in your network, which then humans or, or the organizations can use to, to solve, let's say, problems within their own settings. So in the, in the end, I would say that ethics would really depend on where uh, is it applied, uh, which type of yeah, I will say culture uh, mm -hmm. is it applied in, what type of organization is it applied in, and so on, because 
there is also no universal definition for ethics in a way, I will say, because many different people can interpret it differently as well. And, and it can be a bit of a subjective thing. Maybe to, to add to that, because you mentioned um, in, in uh, when you were walking up to uh, the podcast room is, is the, Ali on, on how uh, maybe explainability in itself might create additional ethical dilemmas. Can you maybe elaborate a bit more on that? Uh, yes. So I think connecting to this discussion, we talked about explainability as a tool which can uh, give us more information about our models and, and probably some discrepancies and biases in that model. Um, but to give you a more uh, concrete example, uh, my example was based on, uh, let's say, a, a content recommendation uh, system in social media. So what happens is that we click on certain posts, we comment on certain other posts, and of course, uh, and the, the AI behind the scenes uh, learn this behavior. Now I'm using the word behavior, which is very important. Uh, and then it can uh, give us more information, uh, can, and it can recommend us uh, more posts which are related to that and so on. Now, if we try to explain that model, of course, Explaining that model also means that we are explaining or, or diving deeper into a facet of someone's behavior. We are we are actually talking about person X Y Z and his um, his behavior basically on on a certain social media. What type of posts he likes, what type of contents he appreciates, and so on. And that could itself raise certain privacy concerns. To give you an example, I saw a news some time ago that Facebook could accurately predict a person's divorce three months before the person was getting divorced. How? Because the person was uh, messaging certain other people, he was liking certain posts and, and so on. And probably the amount of knowledge that Google has right now about us based on our searches, our emails and our, our, our activity on the internet could also um, construct a behavioral profile uh, for, for the users. So my 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 point there was that isn't it better to keep to 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 keep it as a black box system mm -hmm. or or do we really do we really explain it because we are running into a risk of of creating another loophole from the ethical side of things. So yeah, this is an open question for the um, contestants in this podcast, of course, because uh, I personally think that it would create a problem, but. Um, Yeah, how do we handle it is something that yeah, I, I do not know the answer of. Yeah, so if we know the, the, the factors that govern um, how an AI will behave for a specific user, wouldn't it also be easier to start masking those factors to, as a developer, um, take corrective actions to ensure that those things are not um, easily, uh, easily extracted from the model or even misused. Um, so for example, again, uh, going back to the example of, uh, for example, the medical uh, X-ray imaging, where you can potentially find biases of the AI model in, um, in detecting uh, specific diseases in a, in a human based off of X-ray pictures and that race might play a role in that. Is it possible that if we know explicitly which factors such as race play a role, that we can actually mask that, similar to how we do it in statistics, where we can control for certain factors? And is that not an advantage then? Well, I, I think uh, that that might be possible indeed to take action to uh, hide or to block those access to those features to the model. But again, I think this goes back to the comment from Ali, that that ultimately will depend on the ethical uh Uh, principles of the company, of the organization itself, because maybe even if it's exploited by exploiting those factors, uh, 
the company organization achieves a competitive advantage over the rest. Yeah, and then it's on their interest to preserve them, right? And and I will argue more than having, let's say, explanation or, or insights to what these factors are, I will argue that the fact that the profiling is occurring in the first place is already a, a, a problem. Uh, so even without explanation capability of what those factors actually uh, relate to, the profiling per se is already a problem because it could be exploited for other purposes. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, get, getting an insight, getting insights on what the model has learned or how it operates do have some, some could lead to some side effects, which at the end of the day will be uh, bounded, will be controlled by our ethical standards. Uh, and the same goes also when, when, when you think about um, um, prop, uh, proprietary models that are closed because yeah they, they have some trade secret internally that they don't that they don't want to be rebuilt. In some cases, uh, yeah, that's also a question. What I want to make my my model transparent if what is inside is what gives me an advantage. Yeah, and, and there are reasons uh, like what was already mentioned earlier that by inspecting the model you can figure out flaws and improve it, which can probably lead to better performance, right? But in some cases for the company or the organization, it's just better to keep it close, to keep it uh, as secretive as possible. So yeah, I, I think at, at the end, it uh, goes back again to kind of a human uh, uh, factor. Yeah, I think that that's maybe an, an interesting segue because you mentioned also on, on, on uh, the explainability and then the impact on, on the competitive advantage of an organization. I think indeed there's... Uh, Probably uh, so some models are indeed proprietary and, and, and they try to shield it off. But overall, um, I, I'm not so sure how many organizations are today already investing a lot of money in, in, in interpretability and, and, and explainability. Would you consider it a competitive advantage if organizations would start doing it more already today? Is there, is there, is there value to be gained? I think messaging towards the the broader customer group that, of course, that they are um, providing them transparency. I think that's an important one. But are there other elements you you think of? Uh, yes, I think. The first point I wanted to make connected to the last question was that I think explainability can give us a lot of uh, power into understanding how a certain model is working. And that comes with responsibility as well. And that means that the organizations who are going to use it, uh, of course, need to use it responsibly. And, and how are they going to do it? Maybe there should be a regulation around it or a, a, an organization can have its own principles around it. About competitive advantage, I think it should give competitive advantage in, in, in certain cases. Of course, it can translate to increased security or not, not security, but safety of your models in certain cases. And um, if you're selling it to other companies or other organizations, then the other organizations will also gain more insights into their own, um, how do you say, decision-making processes and so on uh, based on the models that you are providing them. So competitive advantage would exist, of course, for clients, for policymakers within the companies as well, because um, depends on where you use it. Uh, the companies themselves could find a lot of uh, nuances within the AI models that could be, how do you say, exploited for uh, improving your product or, or maybe launching a new product and so on. So that's basically for, for the companies. Uh, but from users' perspective as well, it can give them more insights into how uh, a model is, is actually 
creating decisions on top of their actions uh, and and that could that could also be a very important factor um in in, in giving the service so comparing yourself or maybe a certain company to a certain other company i would say that it would be a it would certainly be an advantage for a company if it can provide this whole package of uh, services centered around the product which is just probably a, an ai model yeah Jose, you want to add to that yeah and maybe uh, relate to the value of getting additional insights at, into these models into how they work or more than how they work on what features from the data they are exploiting is the fact that, for example, in there was a, a case in meteorology, meteorology where uh, uh, I think a recurrent model was trained to try to predict weather. And what was interesting is that when they uh, inspected this model, what features were encoded, they realized that the features that the model was, was taking into account to making their forecasts were completely different to those that were handcrafted introduced by uh, into physics models by people, by meteorologists. So they realized that this AI had discovered additional features that were very relevant to the problem and that they could be used to complement the existing uh, physics models that we had uh, to predict weather. So in that regard, it can also help you get a better understanding of a problem or, or, or a solution for a problem. So that's what I wanted uh, indeed to, to mention here. Yeah, that gives a better understanding also on how an organization, maybe uh, let's take that example, comes to certain decisions. They have they have uh, their their principles, their processes, but there might be some things that they are inadvertently also considering, and it might give, teach them something about themselves uh, as well. Not just not just teach them something about themselves, but actually things that they have never thought about. I just wanted to uh, add a quick example to, to what Jose was mentioning. So uh, as, a, as a chess player myself, um, I have seen also um, uh, engines like Stockfish and also AlphaZero uh, uh, working together and, and so on. And you can clearly see the patterns uh, that uh, that you won't really notice in, in human players and, of course, in, in other ch- chess engines as well. And then quoting the the founder of deep uh, deep mind who is also a chess player he when he saw alpha zero and ai system playing chess which learned to play chess in, in merely in two hours by itself with itself playing with itself um yeah he just said that it's alien chess so because it was so different it was so um yeah it was new so to give you that example i think and then continue on what Jose was talking about this could really give a lot of insights to companies over the problems they're trying to solve, which would be in, which would be a competitive advantage itself because many other players or many other competitors, they don't even know that those kind of uh, solutions could all exist to a certain problem. So that could be an opportunity, I will say. Okay, fantastic. Um, thank you for that. those 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 last words. I think on, on, on that note, uh, we can uh, slowly close the, the podcast. I have taken a lot of notes i've learned a lot today so thank you very much for for your contributions i, I maybe just to, to wrap up a few things i've um noted indeed the the, the nuance with interpretability and explainability that uh, there's been also an, an evolution with um first more post hoc uh, approaches but now also more integrated approaches and that actually those integrated approaches don't uh, that, that you can have state-of-the-art performance uh, even with the, the, the integrated approach um, and that, that uh, explainability 
uh, is, is not a, it, it gives you insight. It's, it won't uh, remove the bias. You still need to take further action to, to remove the bias, but it can give you valuable insights into uh, how uh, decisions uh, uh, are taken or how recommendations outputs are, are created. Um, and so that, that uh, the, especially in some areas more than others, of course, but that uh, the technology today uh, is getting to a level of maturity that, uh, that it's worthwhile investigating and, and considering because it also uh, presents uh, a potential competitive advantages for, for organizations uh, of all sorts. Um, and then on, on that note, uh, I would like to thank you, uh, Ali, Jose and, and Tim for uh, your very valuable contributions. And I would like to thank the listeners for listening. 